Okay. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Seekers Quest. I'm here with Chaitanya Charan, our local spiritual scientist. I shouldn't say local because he's in India, but um, <laughs> he's our spiritual scientist. And um, I'm Radha Priti. Excited to be here with you all this morning. Um, today is going to be a fun day. I was just telling everybody who's here live, I was giving them a little bit of like a preview to the class that CC designed this morning, because when he sent it to me, I was like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. <laughs> so, and, and I was telling them, I wish that I would have heard it 10 years ago. Cause I think it would have helped me so much in my life and relationships. And so um, this will be a good one, but it kind of stemmed from, I was also sharing with the group here that it stemmed from um, our star Wars talk the last time. So we, we kind of talked about theme in Star Wars the last time, our last meeting on Tuesday. And um, after after that talk, I was sharing Michael's a Star Wars theme or a Star Wars fan. He's online right now. And I was asking him what he thought of it. And he sent me a list of a few topics that we could expand on related to Star Wars. And one of them was attachment. And it's one that I also really, um, when I watched Star Wars the first time, one that I reflected on quite a bit. And so um, I sent that to CC and CC designed this like beautiful class around it. So um, we start with that. But uh, where, where are you today, CC? How are you doing? Yeah, I am in a place called Pune. This is, uh, this is the international headquarters of youth outreach, I would say, in the world. Hundreds and hundreds of youth in each program. So wow. right now there's a youth event going on. So I just had a talk which went over time. That's why I got a little late coming back. Yeah, I'm wow. keeping well. How are you keeping? I'm good. I'm good. I'm in Colorado. I'm actually here with my family. My mom is live here. There's my mom. Oh, well, good to see you. <laughs> so she's going to be here for our family attachment episode, which is <laughs> divine timing. <laughs> Hopefully I don't offend her too much. So, um, but yeah, okay, let's get right into it. You know, um, I guess I'll kind of, I can, I'll kind of put this into context maybe with the theme and the relationship to Star Wars, um, briefly so that we can get right into it. But when I watched Star Wars the first time, something I thought was really interesting was, um, Luke Skywalker. He is a Jedi, you know, he's like on the light side so he's kind of um, has a lot of responsibility to 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 kind of save the empire, and in that he gets trained, and he goes to fight Darth Vader. But he, when he finds out that Darth Vader is his father, mm. he he almost like gets a little bit his duty of like protecting the empire he almost like supersedes his relationship with his father in like wanting to save his father. And he knows that there's good in his father. So he wants his father, he wants to bring his father back to goodness and his family attachment in that sense, almost kind of like blinds it and it blinds like his, his duty that he was, would have been so focused on. I felt like if he wasn't so like tunnel visioned into that. And I was talking to my husband about this, who is, you know, a massive star Wars fan as well. And he said, yeah, you know, that, was that's a new generation of jedis like before that generation the jedis were taken away from their families when they were really young and they and so they didn't have any attachments and now and now that's not how it works now that wasn't the story with darth vader anakin and that wasn't the story with luke and he said but at the same time that makes them that much more powerful they're so much more powerful because of these attachments and i was like hmm that's really interesting and um, not to say I'm not saying that family attachments are bad. I just recognizing this kind of uh, dynamic, and um, and I thought I thought it was an interesting theme. So um, yeah, I guess this. Uh, and we talked about this in the last episode: attachment versus affection. I think maybe episode six, something like that. So we talked about this kind of theme, but um, we're going to elaborate it on on it a little bit more, more. and talk yeah. more about things like boundaries and love and um and it and see where it all culminates so cc from there do, do you want to um take us into it 
Sure. Can you give me share permission screen? to share the screen? Yeah. yeah. So thank you for that introduction. And uh, overall, whenever I've read about uh, or discussed this theme of love, you know, it can have, it can transform, I mean, transform, it can be one of the most beautiful and moving forces in the world. Uh, because of love, people can take responsibility and do so many things which normally they would not do. So love can transform, but unfortunately, love can also deform. In the name of love, people can do terrible things. So we humans are relational creatures. And as relational creatures, we, we need relationships and it's not just psychological need that we have an emotional need that we have. It actually um, is a deeply transformation. It's a, it's a deep need that arises from our very core. So how do we find that the loving relationships that we have, the connections that we form with others, for example, I'm here, the other person is here. And if the, the ideal relationship is it, by this relationship, what happens is both of us rise upwards. Both of us become better. I mean, this is could be a transformative relationship where we both rise and become better. The relationship between us, seeing something good in you inspires me to develop something good in me. And seeing something good in me inspires you to develop something good in you. This is what we would like to have. But unfortunately, we could say life is not that simple. That suppose I'm here and I could bond with somebody who's here or I could bond with somebody who's here. And if this relationship that is there, by this relationship, either what can happen is, say, it's a reciprocal relationship, but by the effect of it in me could be that in this reciprocation, I rise upwards. Or it could be by this relationship, I get pulled downwards. So we have multiple relationships. And sometimes it could also be that instead of I being pulled upward by some relationship, it could be that I pull the other person downward. It could also be that somebody is downward, I helped them to rise. So there are multiple permutations possible in a relationship or in our various relationships. So how do we figure out these possibilities and move forward in a way that is constructive? So when I say, maybe, would you like to reflect on this rather than before I move forward? Yeah, you know, I was just thinking um, in romantic relationships, because <laughs> I have a good amount of experience in those. Um, when I was younger, when I was in my 20s and I was struggling in romantic relationships, I went to therapy. I went to a couples therapy actually, and then I ended up doing it by myself. But what I learned, I learned this theory of attachment where in a romantic relationship, there's like two roles. One role is the person who's withdrawn, like the inhale. And one role is the person who's um, kind of more like a firecracker, <laughs> and, which is the exhale. And in that dynamic, what happens is the inhale person doesn't feel safe or heard so they inhale more and then the exhale person they feel the same way they don't feel safe or heard but their their response is to kind of like is the firecracker is to kind of like maybe they seem more aggressive or mean and it's interesting because I used to be an inhale person I used to be just completely withdrawn and I was with exhale people and I wasn't some unhealthy relationship dynamics where that person was not very nice he wasn't very um, skilled, actually, in expressing himself. So it came out as very negative and kind of 
and brought me down. So I would inhale so much that I was almost like he felt like I didn't care about him, which almost made it worse, you know, like a child who, who throws a temper tantrum. So, so that was the dynamic. And I actually got out of that relationship. But then when I got with my husband, I realized my husband is so withdrawn that I'm on the opposite side now. And so now it's almost, now I can recognize it in him. And I'm like, Hey, you're withdrawing a lot. And it's making me feel kind of crazy. Can we talk about a middle ground so that we could come up together? And now him and I are getting skilled at that as a, as a unit. But, um, I just was thinking of that, that attachment theory. And have you, have you, have you read that? Or do you know anything about that? Yeah, I haven't uh, specifically heard about the terms, but it does make sense that we all have, going back to Star Wars, Star Wars terminology, the dark side within us. And sometimes knowingly or unknowingly, that dark side can be manifest more. And uh, in one sense, it's like, when we get anger, anger is often an avoidance mechanism, avoidance strategy. I get angry with you so that I can get, so that I can avoid getting angry with myself. So I get angry with you so that I can avoid getting angry with myself. That I, I can sense there's something, something off with me, but instead of dealing with it myself, then I, I just take it out on you and that can be very hurtful for the other person, but it can also be damaging for me because that's what becomes my further mechanism for coping with things. So that, that definitely becomes a problem. So that's one thing which struck me. So yeah, it's like among alcoholics, there could be somebody's alcoholic and somebody's an enabler of the alcoholic. And basically both of them, their dark side is being pulled out more and more. One is more intentional, the other is more unintentional. But either way, the end result is both of them are being pulled down. Yeah. In different ways to different degrees, but both are being both of them are being pulled down. Yeah, absolutely. It's, this is interesting too. The anger is an avoidance strategy. I feel like that happens as well. It's like that's what relationships are, right? Like you get home, you feel stressed about your day, you take it out on your partner. Like how are you going to deal with that? <laughs> such a mirror for for I, for all of our own stuff i guess mm. yes so now if you go back to the story of that way there was anakin in one sense anakin was just living a life as a as ordinary life he had, a, he had he was quite poor he had his mother he used to repair some car repair some vehicle parts he participated in potteries. He was quite talented at that. But it was the relationship with, uh, <clears throat> I think it was King Onjin, the Jedi who came and took him. And he had to leave his mother and go. When he went with uh, this particular Jedi, he didn't, know really, he didn't really know him. But they bonded. He became like a mentor figure for him. But unfortunately, that Jedi was killed. And then he was, he, he went to the Jedi Council and there were several wise people, but he didn't feel accepted over there. So if we consider as he grew up, he developed uh, feelings for Padme and they had a relationship. Now, in this case, it's natural that we want our, our if we have loved someone, we want to protect them. So he couldn't save his mother when he went back, it was just too late. But then... He wanted to protect Padme. The desire is good. But then, see, as I said, when does love reform? There, there's one, one dark aspect is where one is manipulative. In one sense, you, we exploit the other person, person's love for us as a weakness to manipulate them. That, mm -hmm. is, that, is, that is quite overt. That is quite dark. But the other is, in order to, so we, don't, we are not really concerned about the good of the other person. It's here, it's more like, it's, it's not love so much, or is it, it's more like abuse of love. Hmm? It's abuse of love where we exploit the other person for our ends. And that can drag both people down. You're talking about how love may deform or pull us down. 
that's one way it can happen but the other is that <clears throat> protect we want to help the other person protect the other person but in that uh, by crossing ethical boundaries so say for example so in, in 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 india is a very educational conscious country and parents often have a lot of expectation from their kids so now if a kid goes to college is staying in a hostel the kid may feel oh there's a whole world of temptation open for me and kid could get lost but the kid remembers that okay i have to and my parents have invested so much in me they are paying for my college education i need to study i need to do well that could inspire the ch child kid to avoid the distractions and focus on study but if so so that 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 in sense is good but if the kid thinks oh i have to get good marks and i am not studied and i need to get good marks so therefore let me break into the college office and steal the question paper and then i'll get good marks so the kid may say i am doing it out of love well no love should not mean that when one flouts boundaries and when this happens this is not a person going overtly into a wrong action it's more like say if some let's take it the other way if somebody's parent is uh, somebody the parent and they have a child who is sick now and a child needs some expensive medicine now you may decide that uh, to get the medicine i may sell my i may sell my house or they need some expensive surgery well that that's a good thing but they may say that i'll take a huge loan okay you might be able to repay it but then if they say that okay i'll rob a bank well should you be doing that and this is a save there while robbing a bank they there the guard stops them so you kill the guard to rob the bank so if this is happening and the question comes okay maybe here the boundaries are being crossed too much this is not what a person should be doing so if love makes us maybe at this point or at the most you could say at this point stop this point meaning yeah. you said sell my house take a loan rob a bank kill yeah, the guard you could take a loan you could take a loan that's okay maybe fair enough mm -hmm. sometimes a person may say that you know a friend may ask another friend you know i need money so can you help me rob a bank and this person says no i can't do that what kind of friend are you that you won't help me so this is a manipulative question and the answer to this question is by uh, by questioning the question what kind of friend are mm. you that you expect me to do this for you so this is where darth vader his desire to protect padme was fine but while desiring to protect padme okay what do padme what do i do okay he started going and more more and more towards the dark side and he started becoming more and more slowly the tendency is more and more aggressive more and more forgetful of higher values till he immediately till eventually just crossed over to the dark side and the very person whom he was supposed to protect he tried to strangle her to death right because when you don't have boundaries in love it can it yeah it can bring you lower and lower and and that's what happened to him so if if you go if you go up to this to this one out here how love deforms you you said abuse of love and then the other was protect the other person by crossing ethical boundaries you know i was thinking i was putting this in the context of the first example you had with the alcoholic and a family dynamic because i think what happens in a family dynamic say for something like that with somebody that has a lot of addiction you have a parent that has a lot of addiction and then you have an, a parent that's an enabler which doesn't have boundaries to really protect themselves or anybody else because they they are not skilled in in creating and having boundaries. So then then what ends up happening I think is the parent that doesn't have the boundaries that's raising the kids sometimes doesn't have boundaries with kids. And the kids almost don't learn because maybe the parent is is kind of a people pleaser or just an enabler. The parent then enables the children 
to act in ways that isn't going to teach them what they need to learn as children, isn't going to mold them into the people of highest character or the highest, highest consciousness. And in that way, it's not so clear cut like, like the example you just gave of the ethical boundaries, but but you can see how the absence of boundaries in these dynamics, it can it can propagate in families and it can then propagate in society so that we have we have people that kind of have those missed opportunities of of really learning some of these maybe character values or consideration for other people or whatever it is. Um because of this absence of boundaries in love that people mistake for love because they they feel like they're making that person happy. You know, I'm just making the person happy. This is how I make the person happy. Well, okay. First in in a relationship with a partner who's an addict, that's, that's really crossing a boundary, but in a relationship with your children, that's also not really your number one responsibility. So it's interesting how, how this can really affect our family relationships in such a profound way that propagate into you know that is a very good point about make the other person happy that is natural when we love someone we care for the other person we want to we want to see them happy but then you could say there is present happiness at the cost of future happiness so like somebody, if somebody enabling an addict, if parents are pampering their children, they are, okay, you don't want to go to school, don't go to school. You don't want to study, don't study. Just you want to play, play. You want to eat chocolates, eat chocolates. I'm such a loving parent. No, ruining the future of the child. So about other, the other side could be also only future happiness at the cost of present happiness. So if Parents are too hard with their children. Uh, the parents are too disciplinarian. Parents are too demanding. And children are children. They, they have their needs. They will play. They will have fun. They need to have that also. So if we consider only the future, that will also make the relationship, uh, it will it'll fray the relationship. It will strain or even break the relationship. So, okay. So that means that there has to be this balance between present happiness and future happiness. So what do I do for your present? And what do I do for your future? So in some ways, Padme did express that she didn't like who Anakin was becoming as he was going down. And she says, eventually, when she sees him and Obi-Wan come together, he says, I can't recognize you. He says, and he says that both of us will be together. Both of us will together rule the world. We will take down the emperor. Says, we will. He says, you're not the person that I I fell in love with. You become different. So it's uh, you wanted to make somebody happy, but in trying to make that person happy, you have become someone that person cannot be happy with. That person doesn't really realize that. They may or may not, but the idea is that there is always this tension between present happiness and future happiness. So that you know, in one sense, when we say there's unhealthy attachment. Unhealthy attachment means, how do we know it is unhealthy? It's, you could say, I can't, I can never say no. If that person asks me for something, I can never say no. Now, I can never say no to you might seem to be a sign of love, but it can very be very easily degenerate into a sign of pathological attachment, pathologically unhealthy attachment. In every relationship, there are times when if the other person's request is unreasonable, it is unethical, it is improper in any other way. Then we have to be able to see, say no. Now here, in fact, this was not, of course, in Anakin's case, it's not anybody else's request also. It was just his own desire. Out of his affection for her, he thought what was good for her in trying to do that. He couldn't say no to the advances of Albertine, to the suggestions, promptings, and eventually the directives of the emperor. So that was a big problem. So this is, key. At, you could say affection becomes attachment when we can never say no to the other person. 
Yeah, that could be a really difficult thing in family dynamics because you really want that close relationship, but you also want to honor yourself and where you are. And when you say no to the to that close relationship, you feel a withdrawal of love. Maybe, maybe, or maybe you get greeted with something like guilt or shame, or maybe the person's aggressive. And that's just so difficult to handle. It's almost like then, okay, well, now I have to detach from this person. Like, like, what do you do? And it's, and if you're in just, if it's just like a boyfriend or a girlfriend, okay, you can detach and you can try again. But if it's like a parent or, you know, a marriage, it becomes really kind of complicated and difficult. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this could be one, this definitely could be one result. But sometimes also it's true that when you say no, there is also the emergence of respect. Mm. That, okay, I can't, there may initially definitely a displeasure, but ultimately there cannot be really a very close relationship between one person and other person if one person is just making order giving orders or making requests and the other person is simply complying you know we want someone whom we can relate with someone whom we can reflect our thoughts on so in some ways there there might be a withdrawal initially but eventually there will be a greater bonding and if a withdrawal is happening then maybe that relationship itself is unhealthy it's not just that interaction is unhealthy you know, some people say that, you know, like some bosses, we say, you're free to express your opinion as long as you agree with me. Then that's not really freedom. It's okay. Then if you, if you don't really want suggestions from anyone, then don't pretend that you look for suggestions. So sometimes if the love is becoming so conditional that if you don't do this for me, then I don't care for you. Well, we, then we have to evaluate, is this really that important for that person? And is this, this something so, so strongly against my principles? If it is, then it's a question that, that if somebody says this particular thing is extremely important for me, it's very important for me. That's what they are saying. But, but then from my perspective, the same thing is very harmful then we have to decide then whose perspective is important how is how is this relationship to move forward if you don't consider that then there'll be a lot of problems so i think that withdrawal of love is temporary but that eventually leads to a certain amount of respect that does come when a person stands up for themselves yeah, I, I love that you made that point, actually. And I feel like that, again, was my direct experience. When I realized I was caught up in this dynamic of really just people pleasing, just doing whatever people wanted me to do. And I decided I needed to make a change. I saw some relationships that just weren't having it and others that, again, it was a little, little uncomfortable at the beginning, pretty uncomfortable. But then at the end, actually, one of the relationships was with my mom, <laughs> got so much sweeter. And because, because you're, you're showing up as, as a person, you're accurately representing yourself, you're communicating where you are and where you're not. And while at first the other person may not be used to it, and therefore there may be some resistance, after some, some time and some practice in learning how to express that in a healthy way, the relationship does almost become sweeter because both parties get to a point where they can really respect and be there for each other in a in a real and healthy way. So I love that you said that emergence of respect because it it's it's so important. <laughs> thank you. And thank you. And so now I would say that how do we get a sense of this boundaries? When do I say no for to someone? So we we need a worldview that places our relationships in context, and that would mean that we need to look at what is the meaning and purpose of life. So how should I place the various things of importance in my life, and that is where our vertical connection with the divine that comes into the picture. See, I am here, the other person is here, 
and there's the divine. So we have this relationship in one sense is the enduring relationship. As souls, we relate with the divine life after life after life. As compared to that, the relationship with the other person, it's an important relationship, no doubt. But it's, uh, it, it's, uh, it's not necessarily a relationship that is permanent. So we have in movies, they say happily ever after. Well, nobody lives ever after forever. But then if in, in the Christian tradition, when they have wow, they say till death do us part. It's, it's a comedy can mistake. I'm in a committed relationship like that for a long time. That's, that's laudable. But the idea is that we have a relationship that is enduring. And through all our relationships, now it's not just I have a relationship with the divine. The other person also has a relationship with the divine. Even if they are not acting within that relationship right now, they have that relationship. So to the extent we can have this, we'll call this more like a, put it like a triangle here. It's something like this. So there are three relationships over there. And this is the number one relationship for us. This is number two. And number three, is this is their relationship with it. This matters for us, but it's not the most important thing for us. So when we have an understanding that it is the relationship with the divine that brings out our divinity, there's a higher reality which I connect with. And when I act in connection with that higher reality, my consciousness rises toward that higher reality. And keeping that relationship in mind, we look at other relationships. And that relationship gives us our relationship with the divine, the principles that we learn in developing that relationship with the divine. So that helps us get a sense of sense of hierarchy, sense of boundaries, of sense of perspective. So in one sense, intelligence, sometimes we can use it as just a rational intelligence. There's also emotional intelligence. But intelligence essentially means to see things in their proper perspective. What is how important? How needs how need what be placed? The things in their proper perspective. To the extent we can do that, that extent we can move forward in our lives. So, so that's one, yeah. So what you're saying with this triangle you made is uh, my number one important relationship in my life is my relationship with the divine and relationship with others is number two. And then others relationships with the divine is number three. That's just relative to the importance in my own life of, of relationships. So that that in itself, I feel like can change the perspective because, because before in relationships, before I had divinity in my life, I would make that person God. So when I made that person God and I didn't have a God, it, it was like, it became super codependent actually. So having that North star, having your own relationship with divinity to kind of guide you I feel like it's so important. And then also letting other people have their relationships with divinity and, and trying to make your relationship with, with another person really just based off of both of your relationships with divinity. It's like keeping God at the center. It's, it's like such a healthier relationship dynamic than, than if you don't have divinity and you're just in a relationship with the person and you're both just trying to enjoy as much as you can. It's like, that's almost like a recipe for disaster. <laughs> True. And this is where the idea that our spirituality, it's not just something to make us feel more peaceful, feel more good. That's there. There is a spirituality which often is defined by something which makes us feel good. Oh, when I feel I do this, I feel so calm. I feel so so at peace with myself. That's good. But spirituality also is not meant to help us become good. If there is some goodness within us, and we want to increase that goodness. This is one. This is two. So sometimes become good means that in sticking to our spirituality, sometimes we have to say no to the other person. Going back to the earlier point when I said that so, a, 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 attachment means we are never able to say no. Now saying no is, is to someone whom we care for. Saying no is never pleasing. 
it's not an enjoyable thing to do but if there is a yes we are saying to something higher something bigger in this case someone bigger then that no becomes less less distressing more bearable now this of course does not mean that we make it a make a virtue out of saying no that no has to be communicated properly and sometimes it has to be a negotiation but this become good in one sense that's what sets boundaries for us and these boundaries are what ensure that love or we don't use we don't either misuse love or misapply love to make unhealthy choices and justify those unhealthy choices yeah so it's like when your number one relationship becomes your relationship with god like for me when your morning steps like directly correlated to morning sadhana and your morning like morning meditation and and so for me when i was in a relationship with another person and i wanted to start going to bed early so i could get up early to have that special time in the morning um and 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 he didn't understand it i got a lot of resistance it was actually like one of the first times i was able to say no and feel okay about it because it was like actually i've decided you're not my god anymore I, I I have a relationship with God and this is this is my this is the relationship and this is what I need to um nourish it and I feel okay about that. So this is what I'm gonna do. I'm not gonna stay up late watching movies with you because that's what you want to do. And um this is okay. For me, that was like until then, I had no idea what was okay and what wasn't okay. It was like, oh, that's what makes you happy. Okay, well then I guess I have to do that because I love you. But now I have like a higher purpose, a higher relationship. And from that, everything else is like propagated, like falls in line. So this was paradigm shifting for me. <laughs> yes, I could say that. For me, I grew up fortunately in a family that was very put together. And um, my mother she passed away because of blood cancer when i was just about 14 so that was quite difficult at one 15 but then i had a younger brother to take care of and he was almost like 11 12 years younger than me and what happened was that when she passed away my father was always traveling so i never had any and I had a relationship with him, but not a very close relationship with him. His work kept him busy. He was quite close to my mother. And one of the last things my mother told me. Now, I was also young. I didn't realize that when she left our home, this was the last time I was going to see her. But uh, and probably she, she, she realized at the back of her mind that her disease was serious and I didn't, whatever. But she said, take care of your brother. And now that is, my mother might have said that many times as an older brother, I was expected to take care of him. But then I didn't realize that those words had much deeper meaning at that time. So after my mother passed away, I felt very broken, felt very lost, lonely. But then I had no time to in one sense feel sorry for myself because I had a younger brother to take care of. And he was just about four and a half, five. He didn't even understand the concept of death at that time. So in trying to take care of him, of course, my father was there and he took care of both of us in one sense. But then my father just couldn't quit his job and be with us. So in taking care of him, so I saw that in my mother had to leave, but she gave that instruction, take care of your brother. And that became like a direction for me. So at that time, my mother, she was uh, not exactly devoted in, a, in the sense of having strict sadhana, but she was a very pious woman. And she told me that take care of your brother and God will take care of you. Which is very interesting. It is not that you reject the other relationship in the name of relationship with God. But if we try to take responsibility for someone else, then we are not alone in caring for the other person there is, there is there is a higher divinity which is also there to take care of us take care of others and 
So when we see our relationship in that bigger light, that bigger picture, so that that became like a north for me. So in one sense, I was taking care of my brother. In one sense, I was taking care of uh, what my mother wanted me to do. But in that process, whole process, because I was connecting with with God. I don't remember consciously praying excessively, but what I do remember is there were times when I was surprised by how undistraught I was. And I was thinking, am I so heartless that I don't uh, care for my mother that she has passed away and I'm not broken down in tears? And I did cry for some time. But then I was realizing that through what she had told me, she had pointed me towards something higher. That, that God is always there with us. And the way we experience him is but by assuming a sense of responsibility, not just my responsibility, but a sense of a divine responsibility. And that helped me. So in one sense, you could say that if this is, this is slightly, I would put it this way that, say this is, this is my, me, my brother, and this is my mother. And then above this is, is God. So in one sense, I had my relationship with my mother. I had my relationship with my brother. Now what happened somehow, my mother departed. So in some ways, that relationship ended. Not entirely, but in some ways. But, but I had my relationship with God. And what my mother told me in one sense is that your relationship with God is also through your relationship in taking care of your brother. So if you take care of your brother, God will take care of you. So what does that mean? That means that you know, turning toward God is, like you said, sadhana is important. That this is our connection with God is sadhana. But then there's also another element in our life that is of seva. Seva is an attitude of service. The service attitude. And the service attitude is also one way we connect with God. When we connect with God, we actually become better human beings. We help others to become better human beings. That's just one reflection I wanted to share. That, was, experience, a, that was such a beautiful story. I, I'm so glad you shared that. Uh, I, I didn't know that story. That's really special. And it makes me think too about having children and raising children really in viewing it more as a service to God. Again, not, not that your goal as a mother is to make those children as happy as possible. Granted, that's important, but, but to raise them, like you said, in service to God, and that's developing those kinds of, kinds of the kind of character, um, those kind of God-like qualities, raising them in that way. Yeah. That's true. What is that? There's some sociologists who said that the miracle is not that adults make children. The miracle is that children make adults. That when children are present, adults have to start behaving like adults, take responsibility. So, so relationships that way we, that we can be quite dynamic and transformative. And uh, we could say that conversely that when, when a person is lonely, it's so easy to go on a downward track. So it's, it's possible to go on a downward track because of unhealthy relationships. It's also possible to go on upward track through healthy relationships. So let's hope that we all can get the wisdom, choose healthy relationships and move towards the, move away from the dark side within us toward the light side. Yeah. Should I try to summarize? Yeah, that's so nice. I want to say, Lakshmi just said on the board, this entire class is just a reflection of my life. I feel the same. And I told you guys, right? It's going to be good. It's, it's um... Thank you. So we started by discussing about how love can both transform, it can help change us for the better, or it can deform. We discussed multiple examples of that. And I'm going to try to keep the summary short over here. But then, when does love deform? 
when love leads us to dismiss boundaries in the name of love we dismiss boundaries and do especially start doing questionable ethical unethical things and that is a path of degeneration i talked about if my child is sick what all can i do okay i can sell house take a loan but rob certainly not kill but certainly not hmm? so if love leads us to dismiss boundaries that's unhealthy love that's where it's becoming not attach not affection but attachment even pathological attachment and how do we prevent this from happening and say that for that we need our intelligence intelligence basically means a sense of perspective what is how important this relationship is important but is there something more important in my life also so then that we talk about a spiritual world view places various things in our life in a overall overall framework and then we talk about this three way relationship this is a relationship with the divine this is i and this is the other person so this is our relationship 1 2 and our relationship with the divine is the anchor which helps us both set boundaries in if when one is put in the first we we put we give you priority to our first relationship that is the relationship with the divine so when one is a priority it helps us do both at one side set boundaries where they are necessary we can say no because we have a higher motivation we have a higher yes in our mind but at the same time it can also help us to make commitments can also help us to take responsibilities for something bigger than ourselves something outside of ourselves and that can also help us change us ourselves for the better thank you very okay. much can i ask you a question real quick before we before yeah. we conclude cuz i was reading while well, i was studying um chapters 9 9 3 through 10 of the bhagavad gita yesterday and i was actually listening to your lecture and it and the theme of those verses is one of the themes as i understand it is um god creates this material nature and he creates it according to these rules um and and you act according to these and according to the way that you act you get karma and god isn't isn't responsible for the karma and he's actually unattached he's not attached at, at all but he gives which is connected to this concept of free will because the idea of the whole kind of system that he sets up is so that you come back to him. And so he's not trying to control that, but he's just giving he's just kind of creating the field, the environment so that we can all do that and have our own experience. And as I was listening to this, I was thinking, is that our goal in our loving relationships like maybe with our children like should we set this up and then should we be completely unattached? in that way is that love is that our goal are we trying to be like that well that in that particular context is it that is the fifth chapter of the gita you are referring to where the it ninth. says detachment ninth ninth okay, nine chapter like yes, three through similar, ten. Yeah. yeah yeah there it's more of the example is that is detached that there this example comes you know if if we consider the sky to be like an upside down bowl then the wind if there is a gust of wind now this wind can move left it can move right it can move top it can move down the sky does not control the movement of the the movement of the wind the sky controls the area of movement of the wind hmm? so the sky in one sense represents god's will and the wind represents human will or human free will you can say so the idea is god is detached means within the boundary set the within like this sky limits the area of movement of the wind similarly god limits the scope of our free will but it doesn't limit our free will so right now i'm speaking i could speak some words of wisdom based on what i've learned i can i might be angry and i could speak some foul words 
so that i have the power i have some power of speech and what i speak god does not control that but right now when i i'm a human body i can't roar and produce a sound like a lion or a tiger so we all have free will within boundaries so within those boundaries what god does sorry what we do god doesn't control that so in that sense god is detached so the law here the it's not that there's no law it's more that law means respecting the other person's boundaries and sometimes law also means maybe this is a theme which we will discuss more respect the other persons right to be wrong the right to be wrong sometimes people may have to go through certain experiences to learn certain things now we may try to tell them don't do this is harmful for you and that's good to tell but if they're not ready to listen then sometimes we have to respect that right to be wrong so that is what is talked about when it's detached means that people make choices the choices have consequences and god doesn't want us to suffer but if we want to make unhealthy choices he does not force us to make right choices he respects the boundaries that have been given for us by our past somebody might be more powerful and they may have a bigger sphere of activity but within that they are they are given freedom beyond that they are limited it's a big subject maybe we could discuss this next time yeah that that's really helpful thank you <laughs> so it, when i think about like if you have children and if, i don't have children yet but hopefully soon um do you have children you create those kind of parameters to keep them safe those boundaries but within those parameters you allow them to make decisions that maybe you know aren't going to make them feel good but they'll still be safe so you allow them to do that so they learn and in that way that's you're loving them yeah sure. it's a very good good relatable example of that point yeah i was when i was listening to this i was like okay what how did, how can i apply this what can i learn from this in my own relationships and the way you just explained it it kind of made it click for me so thank you <laughs> thank you so much hari krishna hari krishna